Hannah. And I'm Colleen. And we combined have lived in Iraq for... 11 years. We get a lot of questions about life in Iraq. And we decided that the best way to address those questions is to do a little podcast. So we're going to answer some questions that are really common. The ones we get asked all the time. Yeah, because apparently it's a weird thing to live in Iraq. Who knew? Yeah, strange. So today we're going to talk about relationships, and we have a special guest, Molly, who has kind of lived a little bit of everywhere. Hi, Molly. Hi. (laughs) Um, And we're not going to talk about relationships in the love uh, realm, other than like friendship love. So we're going to talk about all the kinds of relationships that you can have um, while you're living overseas. Uh, Yeah. So I think probably one of the questions that we get the most is like, how do you make friends with people that don't speak the same language as you or don't have the same culture? Um, So who has the, the perfect solution for that? Well, I would think that Molly would because she's lived everywhere. It's Where all have you lived, Molly? <laughs> um, I've lived about 12 years overseas. I've lived in China, United Arab Emirates, and the Kurdish region of northern Iraq. But you visited other places too, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so in the grand scale here, you have way more experience with this than either Colleen or myself. You're much friendlier than us, too. <laughs> Does being friendly help? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I get in situations where things just kind of happen naturally. Like if you're traveling and you're staying in a hostel, then there's communal spaces where people are eating and you say, hey, where are you going today? And some people will invite you to tag along on their trips, for the day trip or something. And hmm. so you kind of, I think in traveling, you make friends because you have shared experiences like that. And you can either continue those friendships later but usually those fizzle out because you just had one shared experience but you have to be bold enough to ask someone what they're doing or say hi or act a little desperate like (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go do this today what are you guys gonna do or I want to do this and yeah if you went to go with people I mean not like I've I don't think I've intentionally manipulated something I just said (laughs) or I've just been Oh, you're going to go hike Tiger Leaping Gorge. My friend bailed on me. Can I go with you guys? <laughs> and usually if they're Israeli, they will let you come along. Nice. <laughs> Israelis have been the friendliest inviters in my experience right. <laughs> for just traveling. I definitely have never approached a stranger while I was traveling and asked them what they were doing. Um, I, nope. Nope, but I feel I, like it wouldn't occur to me. She's actually. right. Like hostels do have a different kind of environment than a hotel sure. where you wouldn't usually approach other people. And I can't say I ever approach other people much either, but a lot of people approach me. I think I look friendly even though I'm not. <laughs> and so like I've met people that way, but I don't usually I don't think I've ever just gone on an adventure with a complete stranger. Hmm. I would like to think I would be brave enough at this point in my life to do that. Yeah, I've done a lot more of that when I was younger, and now I might have (laughs) second thoughts about it. Yeah. I think I just have one of those faces that's like, please don't talk to me. Please go away. I don't like you. Um, 
Which works out great if you're a teacher. (laughs) Not so much if you're trying to make friends with complete strangers. So for all three of us, we actually spent most of our time, or a lot of our time in Iraq, being a teacher. Mm -hmm. And as an American in a foreign country, a lot of times everyone's kind of a teacher at some level with English or friendship, you know, that you have through some sort of education. And so that's a big way... I know a lot of my relationships in Iraq came with my students and the other teachers at the school and the ways I interacted with them. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the reasons I chose um, teaching as a platform for going to another country is because I know that I'm not good at relationships. (laughs) And so I figured if I was a teacher, I would be forced to have relationships with students or other teachers um, in a in a controlled environment where I knew what my role was. Uh, it, and the classrooms in Iraq are not necessarily a controlled environment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it did that did make it easier for me as someone who is not naturally like outgoing to be like, I'm gonna learn your names because I have to because you're my students. <laughs> so yeah, for me that was the easiest way to like befriend. I guess teenagers. Teenagers. <laughs> Mostly. People. People. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a unique relationship between students and teachers that you don't really see other places, um, especially between an American teacher and a national student. I just feel like there's a little bit of uncomfortable openness that occurs. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know how to explain that. Um, but I definitely have students that I can think of that Like, I have a continuing relationship with them that is unique to all of my other relationships. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not only cross-cultural, but it's across an age. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher, you're in a position of some authority and respect. And so, you know, how you honor that is a big part of how that relationship works. Do you have any particular... um student or teacher relationships that stick out in your mind, Molly, as like this, I, it's crazy that I was ever friends with this person. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of those, but actually I was thinking about when I moved to the UAE, I went because I had a friend from college, her and her husband were living there and her husband was teaching English and they helped me find a school and I got hired and it was kind of random. I didn't have a lot of information about the school. I was like, I know I have one friend, but I prayed before I went that I would find one single female friend before I went. Mm -hmm. And we were doing the teacher orientation and somehow I started talking to this girl. She was American. A lot of the staff was actually South African, Hmm. but I started talking to her, and I said, where did you go to college? And she said the name of her college, and she said, where did you go to college? And I said the name of mine, and we both knew that they were a Christian university, so we were like, we had this little look that we gave each other. We didn't acknowledge it at the time, (laughs) but we were like, hey, what are you doing for dinner tonight? And so we went to dinner, and we just talked nonstop, and she was one of my close friends that year. I was in the UAE, and um, we still keep in touch. And another thing with the friends that I 
made in the UAE. A lot of us were in the same apartment building, so we were all new to the city or new to that school. So it was just kind of, hey, we're going out to dinner. Do you want to come with us? Or we're going to go shopping and somebody had a car. Do you want to come with us? Or someone else who lived there longer who knew that we didn't know how to navigate the taxis and yeah. things. So just people, people who had been there who were aware of the needs of the new people. Mm-hmm. Or just a bunch of new people trying to figure it out together. We're kind of dependent on each other to survive. And so you just kind of form relationships pretty quick because you need to survive. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an interesting part of team dynamic. It's cool that you were all in the same apartment building. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I had had that experience, my team experiences would have been a little different. Um, not that I ever had horrible team experiences, but... Yeah, I feel like it, it would have, like, if I had been in a building with a bunch of other expats, I maybe would have had more friends, <laughs> because there would have been that, like, oh, I need this, I need you to help me. But yeah, the bond that you have with, especially with your teammates, is is unique. I definitely have teammates that I don't think I would have ever been friends with in America, that yeah. are, like, tight friends now. Mm-hmm. And then I have other ones that I don't ever speak to. So it's just kind of weird how sometimes that that works out and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But usually, I don't know, for the time that you're there, you manage to work things through. And it can be really bad, though. Theoretically, that's the number one reason that people leave their work in foreign countries is that they have conflict with their team. Yeah, the other people who are supposed to understand them. But it can also be one of the most rewarding parts. And maybe not, I don't know, most, re- yeah, most rewarding parts. I know our team would pray together and we would, you know, work together. We'd have dinners together and go hiking together and do other extracurricular activities together. And it was really fun. I mean, sometimes exhaustingly fun. It, it's awesome. Yeah. And you guys were on a team together for how many years? Three years. Three years. Um, And you were there first. Yeah. (laughs) And then, Molly, you came... Three years in. Three years into your time. Mm -hmm. The last three years, you were were both there. You were there. You were both there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But then she's been there since then. So can I get really personal and be (laughs) like, so what were your first impressions of each other? I was just thinking about that. Because I I know I have first impressions of both of you, and you probably do of me. Um, But (laughs) I'm going to make you pick on each other first. Yeah, first impressions of Molly. Well, I first actually met her in Texas at a conference. Uh And um, she was really interested in the rock climbing. And I remember thinking... Like, we stuck the rock climbing stuff on the table as a way to get people's interest, but not as an indicator that that was really what we were about. And so I was afraid that, like, she was going to get the wrong idea because you were really, really interested in the rock, at least from my perception. Mm -hmm. But I was also there with another person who was going through a lot of personal trauma, and so I kept being like, I'd like to get to know you better, Molly, but I need to take care of this other person. Mm. And so I think I kind of ignored you somewhat. In Iraq or in In, Texas? In Texas. Okay. Then we, I think then we met in Nashville briefly before we went over to Iraq. No, we met in Idaho. Oh, did you come for the conference? The teaching conference? Yes. 
don't remember that at all. I stayed in I mean, your house. I remember you being there, but I don't remember that conference. Like whether what. what I don't really remember the about. conference either. I remember we went through the policy manual. Oh for yeah, like three over, hours over Skype. Over Skype and. Nobody said anything. <laughs> it was a really long policy manual discussion. I feel like my real impressions of you came after we lived in Iraq and they weren't all positive. We struggled a little when we first knew each other. Mm -hmm. There were miscommunications. I mean, honestly, as there are with lots of people, but like because we lived together and living together with somebody you don't know is always an adventure. Yeah, sometimes struggle to make sure that the reason you're asking someone where they're going every time they leave is because of team policy where you have to like know where your roommates are, not because you're like super nosy. How about you? It's your turn, Molly. First impressions of Colleen. Well, I thought she was really nice and helpful, those first initial meetings, because it was more like exchanging. I had questions, she had the answers. Sure. You know, what's it like? What do I need to pack? And I came for three days to visit. Oh yeah, you came in a to rock? rock as well for a visit. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> I forgot about that. I met too. Colleen in Texas and Oh, then I came to Iraq. So then it must have been the following summer that I came and stayed at your house. Yeah. And um so it was more I had yeah, just I was curious, could I hack this? And so I was talking to you and Katie and Jeremiah about just different things, and then once I was living there, and we actually lived together. I think we acknowledged that we really liked each other, but we didn't know how to navigate with each other because I'd been living overseas for I don't know seven years at that point, and so I am by myself for part of that time, so I wasn't used to checking in, and so I missed the part in the policy or whatever. I <laughs> well, it was a three-hour Skype so call, so information that I just didn't remember so I would just like go do my thing and forget that I needed to tell somebody where I was sure. or I think we hashed it out or we figured out yeah the problem or I feel like we also had the added difficulty of living with at that point there were six girls in the house and so in some ways it was also harder to get to know each other individually or keep track of who was doing or interested in or understood what because there was just so much going on in our house. Yeah. It was awesome. I will say God's hand of peace was upon us because <laughs> mm -hmm. it could have been a really bad year, mm -hmm. yeah. and it wasn't. It was a beautiful and fun year. I found out, what, five years later, all these undercurrents that were going on that I didn't know about, but... But I only remember having like one or two like house meetings where we hashed out a couple of things. <laughs> Dishes and floor sweeping or something. Yeah. No, one person just said, clean the toilet when you're done. Oh. That was it. That was kind of the that big issue. That was the issue. house meeting, the big issue. And so if those but, are your big issues, like, man, you're doing pretty good. Doing real well. But I think for me, my first six months to a year in a new place, it's so big of it of a learning curve. Sure. Yeah. So you're trying to adjust to culture and language and then a team and then students and the school and it's, it is really overwhelming and so. And that was even for you who had already experienced what culture shock had been like before. Mm -hmm. So it was still an adjustment for you. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like it was as big of one to a certain extent, but the team dynamic 
I would say for me mm-hmm. that was the bigger one because mm-hmm. I'd kind of been more, I'd been working with other people, but it was a little more individualistic. Yeah, I would say that that was a big change for me from my first year to my second year. Um, my first year I just had one roommate, and we were the only people on our team in that city. And then the next year I had two roommates and another family that were on my team with me. And figuring out, like, I I had kind of gotten used to my team lives with me, and so whenever we do a team thing, we're all already here to having to coordinate with, like, well, what time can you come over and who else is going to be there and do we want to hang out? Do I even really like you? <laughs> like, are we going to do it at our house? Are we going to do it at your house? Who's making dinner? What are we making? And um, so to kind of go from, like, me and one other person, which is a dynamic I deal with really well, to me and like six other people, it was a little, it was a little overwhelming. Um, and I'm pretty sure that at least one of my teammates, for sure, because she and I have had this conversation, thought that I hated her that <laughs> the first semester that we worked together, that I just like did not like her, did not want to spend any time with her, um, and was just like super frustrated by her. And that wasn't entirely true. It was a little bit true, but it was mostly because I was trying to adjust. But I think there is kind of that that every year when you have new people, which you guys had a pretty steady team for most of your time. Most of the last three years. Right. My first three were not steady. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of turnover. And yeah, that takes a lot of adjustment mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of work. Yeah. To continue to rebuild new relationships and learn new people. And, and I kind of feel like every every year was like that for me. It was relearning those dynamics. Like, really how you relate, that applies to how you relate with the entire expat community in a lot of ways. Because there's a lot of turnover in the international community. You know, people from different countries, people going home for a year or six months for rest or to visit. And there's a lot of in and out a revolving door of of change yeah and that's something that I know can wear on you when you live overseas and I know I went through phases where I thought you know oh this person's only gonna be here for a month I'm not even gonna bother talking to them like there's no point in having a relationship with them they're not here for long enough or um, just you know being tired of making new relationships Um, but at the same time I found that In spite of that, if I did take the time to put in the effort to greet and be friendly to new people who were entering, you know, my international expat community, like, it was always worth it. I had a rocky relationship with the expat community. Again, probably more due to my personality than to any, like, actual problems with people. And I just would spend so much of my energy at school with teachers, with students, who were the people that I was there to know, that by the time I got done with that, I didn't want to talk to anyone else. The expat community was not my priority. And so sometimes it fell by the wayside. I had a couple expat friends, again, mostly because they were also teachers at the school. I didn't go out of my way to befriend the foreign community. But again, personal, personal choice. I feel like, Molly, you had even like more of a relationship with other internationals, um, but more, more friendships with the international community than I even managed. Did you seek those out specifically or was it just kind of what you fell into? Like, how did you go about 
deciding whether or not you wanted those friendships? I think somewhere along the lines before I got to Iraq, I learned that I need to have work friends and outside of work friends. Because if I'm around the same people all the time, I'll lose my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Even if I love them. So, and our our team in Iraq was pretty integrated into each other's lives in, a, in all aspects. Mm-hmm. We lived close together. Yeah, I sought out international or expat friends or whatever. Some I just stumbled on. I met, <laughs> met one at the residency office and others I met through our home fellowship. And, but I think my first year too, I was struggling. I didn't feel like I fit in. And so I was looking for people more like me, air quotes. <laughs> and so... And it was good to, like, get away and talk about things other than school yeah. and students mm-hmm. and and hear what other people were doing. I remember thinking that I kind of neglected some of that and that your ability to, you know, make more friends and to focus on those aspects of relationships was something that was really valuable and that, you know, having that external piece of sanity and the people that maybe aren't your whole world all connected together. Yeah. Okay. I like to bring, I like all my friends to meet all my other friends, so if I can bring them together somehow, I like to do that. Those of us who do not have an easy time making friends need people like you to help <laughs> bridge that gap, because it can be hard. I think it's it's hard to, to figure out how to maintain the relationships back in the U.S., partly because no one in the U.S. understands, like, what your day-to-day life is like, what what the ins and outs of your day um, look like. But also just, you know, distance and time. I mean, it's an eight to nine hour time difference. Seven to eight. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on where you depends live. Depends on your time zone. So it's right. an eight to 12 hour well, time difference. And it, it changes because of daylight Iraq savings. does not do daylight savings time. They used to. But yeah, do you, do you feel like, um, and either of you can answer this question, do you feel like there were some some relationships that you saw maintained and continued through that because you put effort into it or because they did? And do you feel like it was kind of, I don't know, I feel like in my life in some ways it limited my friends group to the people who were willing to put forth the extra effort. I would say, I mean, it's a combination. There are certainly people that I remained friends with because they put forth the extra effort, but it also took more effort on my part. And I think it was, I was more willing to put in more effort because they were more willing to put in more effort. Just like any friendship, it's a, it's both have to give to make it really grow and work. So the friends that I have kept in touch with the best are the ones that when I was home and gave a talk or something came, or when I was home, made sure to email or call Mm -hmm to say, yeah, I want to get together with you. You know, if I sent out a mass email that said, hey, I'm going to be in town these dates. I'd love to see anyone who is there, you know, who'd like to see me. I'd love to hang out. Just let me know. The people who responded were the people I made the effort to go out to coffee with or go out to breakfast with. Mine's all over the place. I have friends all over the states and the world, actually, at this point. And I hold on to relationships for dear life, but there are those friends that you can go months, years with hardly any communication, and if you say, hey, I'm in town, it'll pick back up, and it's not Mm -hmm. awkward. There's others that you want to keep in touch with, and it's reciprocal. I think overseas, I felt a little more desperate to keep those 
relationships in America going because I could tell that like I'm in when I'm overseas I'm in a new environment everything's new to a certain extent it's not my comfort zone necessarily and in the states my friends have their lives and their families and their kids Mm -hmm. and their routines and so it's easy for them to kind of to fall into those patterns of life and and forget that I'm in another country and that I'm Maybe going through a hard time because mm-hmm. of whatever cultural adjustment I'm dealing with. I think, yeah, there's there's those core friends that I'm like, hey, please pray for me. Here's what's happening. Or I'm having a rough time. Or there's different groups of friends. Hey, here's the good stuff going on. Or, you know, hey, can you help me with this thing? So it's, I guess, depends on the friend. But I've noticed as I'm getting older, I'm pulling back a little bit. I don't feel the need to go visit all the people that I used to. So it's more the ones who make a little more effort. I feel like, too, I mean, you talk about friends, but for me, I think my biggest connection to the U.S. was my family, and I did keep in really good contact with them. Right, and And your family came to visit. My mom and my sister both came to visit. My sister came twice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so those kinds of things also helped keep that relationship close and keep them understanding what I was talking about and keep them involved in, you know, my life. I know my sister, like, one year spent a bunch of time, like, actively memorizing the names of a whole bunch of my students and people in my life because Mm. she wanted to be able to hear my conversation in a way that was like she was there. And, Mm. you know, she was going through some stuff, and I, you know, went through and worked at some of the same things for her friend group that she was with. And having that, I think, is a little rare, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really sweet and really valuable to me. It's yeah. part of the way I kept my sanity. I think the story that sticks out in my mind, I had come back to the U.S. I'd been back for about two weeks for the summer and was road tripping with one of my really good friends who I'd known for most of my life. Um, and then three girls that the two of us had kind of mentored as they went through high school and all three of them were college age I'm not sure no yeah all three of them were college students at the time and so we went to this wedding of a really good friend and you know weddings are always emotional and I saw a bunch of people and um it's coming off a really hard year it was actually the year I was going to be back in the U.S. for rest for a year and we were coming back home and the girls in the back seat start talking about their their year and all the great things that had happened and like all the cool things they got to do. And one of the girls had had her first experience like traveling overseas and was just like stoked about it. And, you know, the other one had just had her first year of college and was just really excited. And um, my friend, who's the same age as me, it was her second year teaching and she was really feeling like she was getting into the groove. And so the conversation eventually comes around to me and I just started crying. I was just like... I just had the worst. I can't even talk about it. And like, just like tears pouring down my face. The three girls in the back seat are like, "What do we do?" Like, we still have an hour and a half left in our road trip, and I'm just like crying. No and we're supposed to stop and have dinner with my brother and his family. And I remember us pulling into the restaurant, 
the three girls in the back getting out and my friend Holly, who's in the front seat with me, just like reaching across and putting her hand on my shoulder and being like, you can stay here. You don't have to go in with us. Like, you're going to be okay. And she, because she had kept up with me, knew kind of the details of everything that had happened. And she was like, you don't have to talk about it with us. It's fine. It's okay. Do whatever you need. And I was just like, she just watched me completely lose it. And is just like as supportive as she can be. And she knows what I went through, even though she doesn't understand it. She's giving me the space to like Mm -hmm. deal with this. Mm -hmm. She was like, do you want me to go get you food? Do you want me to stay here with you? Like whatever you want is what I'll do. I managed to get myself together and like the rest of the road trip was not awkward. Um, But it's just a moment in my mind where I was like, this is like real friendship right here. Mm -hmm. Like you lost, you you saw me lose it over something you don't understand after like this high of happiness of wedding and yay, you're back. And I just really appreciated that. And I have several other friends that have done that. Um, But I just always really like, it sticks in my mind as like this beautiful moment with a friend that I was like, we're always going to be friends. You're never getting rid of me now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Having people that when you come back to the States for a visit that you can process some of those things with is just really great. Yeah. And I think people asking questions is a big part of that. I think a lot of people are afraid to ask too many questions. I always liked it when people asked me questions because I was never sure Like, do you actually want to hear about this? Or are you going to give me five minutes and then just be gone? Um, Yeah, you have the short answer, the medium answer, and the long answer. Yeah. So be a long answer friend, people. Listen (laughs) to the weird (laughs) stories that you don't understand. It means a lot. Yeah, and ask a follow-up question. Yeah. Because that's one thing I was thinking, how do I make friends? And I think it's, I'm curious about them. Like, I think of the questions that I ask I realized I kind of meet new people and kind of set my mind to I already know them. Like, I convince myself that it's not an awkward get-to-know-you conversation. (laughs) A lot of times, if if I feel comfortable with them initially. And so I just start asking questions because I'm curious. I do want to get to know them. And so I appreciate it when people do that to me about you know my experiences or whatever and if you're just curious and you don't like panic and think oh I can't relate because I haven't been overseas or I can't relate because I don't understand their experience then it's just a conversation and you're just getting to know people and it's not this oh my gosh they live in Iraq I mean after all no one's life is identical yeah so anyone you meet is going to be talking about things that you haven't personally experienced and that's good well, Molly, thanks um, for sitting and chatting with us. And we'll probably rope you into this again at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me. It was fun. Yeah. And I think that's that's all we got. You can find us at Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram or on our website at servantgroup.org. Yeah. And if you have a question that we haven't answered yet, send us an email or Facebook message. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'm normal. <laughs>